Hey, thanks for stopping by. Remember to follow the Gilded Cast on Instagram. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other platforms. And don't forget to rate it and review it. This week, I want you to meet Felicia Singh, candidate for District 32 of the New York City Council in 2021. Here's what we talk about. Hey, Felicia. Hi. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for coming on the Gilded Cast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to share more about our campaign with you. Felicia, as you probably know now, I ask all of my guests about the music they're listening to. So, Felicia Singh, what music are you listening to right now? I really love um, Ariana Grande's new album. And I know it's been out for a, a little while now, but I just like, if I really wanted a jam to get me started and like energized in the car, for example, or like walking somewhere, that's the one I can rely on right now. <laughs> I don't follow her as closely, but she has really good music. And over the Christmas break, I watched the Netflix special of her like last tour. Oh my gosh. I didn't realize how many of her songs I knew. She does catchy stuff. And I think that's what makes her so such a good artist. Like her song, Just Like Magic. I'm like, this is such a great song. Like women are magic, you know? And you're so great and wonderful. And you should listen to that every day. She's very empowered in terms of her sexuality and like is unapologetic about it. Right. Um, which is always um, refreshing. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that's refreshing. Um, so Felicia, one thing that's particularly um, special, unique about your candidacy is that you were an educator before, before running. And that's reflected in your, in your candidacy, in your platform. Anti-racism is a concept that's been around for decades, mm -hmm. but it kind of rose to prominence during the killings of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, this summer, uh, this past summer in 2020. Mm -hmm. And it was a buzzword. You made it a particularly important point in your education platform. Tell us what anti-racism is to you, what that means, but also why it's important in our schools and how you would bring it to our schools. So to me, anti-racism is the practice of love, equity, growing and continued learning for the self and with others. And it's about really building an understanding first of your racism. You have to admit that you are a racist human being in order to be anti-racist. And you need to be on the journey of forever learning how to dismantle racism within yourself before you can in systems. And it's really about really getting to a place of building anti-racist policies. One that centers 
curriculums, for example, in schools that teach more than our standard of what it means to teach to a test. And is really about having a space, a school building, a people, a population that is working on its way to be anti-racist. You don't just declare that you're an anti-racist human being and then you're done. Like your journey to anti-racism is actually forever. What anti-racism looks like in the building is first understanding that racism impacts you as an adult in a school building and definitely impacts the children that you teach and the world in which they navigate. Anti-racist teaching is building curriculum, centering the voices and the stories of those who've been missing in the teaching of history. Anti-racist teaching is believing that all teachers are English teachers. Anti-racist teaching is uh, disrupting texts, which is a huge movement in the English language um, ELA world. And so what that really looks like is understanding that our budgets, the adults in the space, how we greet our children every single day are all part of anti-racist policy and curriculum in a school building. And that also means that teachers and staff and admin commit to having professional development on anti-racist learning and culturally responsive teaching more than just your quarter or like every three months or just once the beginning of the year and the end of the year, right? Because it's a continued journey, you need to continue to have this as part of the everyday living body of your school. I've taught at a charter school, I've taught at a public school. And so my experience teaching in all these different spaces has taught me what children really need. They need adults to believe them. And they need adults to believe that they will, that children will be successful because adults set up the pathway for them to be able to do that. When I think about anti-racism in our public and in all our schools here in New York City, first of all, it's really about the conversation of desegregation. You know, we're the most segregated school system in the United States, and we're the largest school system. And so what are we doing wrong in all our spaces? Well, we don't actually believe that Black lives matter. And if we did center voices that were missing, our curriculum would look so different. Our children would not be entering schools with metal detectors and school safety guards. And I think on the realm of understanding um, what it's like to have conversations about police brutality and to really divest from that, it, we have to have conversations about our education system too. Thank you for connecting all those different points uh, because right, everything, everything intersects. Mm -hmm. I worked on the Women's March, I learned some things that I think made sense, but because of the space I was in, it it was never clearly stated to me, like organizing with the, with the most vulnerable in mind. So organizing from the ground up. And if you are organizing with the most vulnerable person in mind, mm -hmm. you are ultimately or, uh, organizing or advocating for everyone because mm -hmm. um, everything improves you are running in a in a republican district mm -hmm. we talk a lot about flipping flipping seats flipping districts 
particularly nationally, why do we need to flip that seat? What issues are not being addressed in District 32 right now Mm -hmm. that you are organizing around, that you are advocating for, and that you would champion in the city council? These are excellent questions. First, I want to provide a little bit of a background as to the way we're perceived on an exterior of this district. So every four years when we have a presidential election, you know, you have media outlets that do a really close up map of New York City and how we voted. Even though we know we traditionally vote blue, um, what ends up happening is everyone zooms in on this tiny town and this tiny place at the bottom all the way south of New York City. And what it did was it created a narrative of this district of being one that is conservative only and has a really racist voting block and no one else lives here. And it caused an erasure of the people who do do live here that are so deeply working class There was no will or reason to bring us out to the polls during local elections. So organizing in the community when it comes to our, to the voices who are missing, to the most marginalized, doesn't happen here. So when I say we want to flip the district from red to blue, what I'm saying is we need democracy to live here again. We need a way to get to the, to the outer parts of our city and within our boroughs at a faster rate. Why is it that folks who live in Astoria in Queens get to Manhattan in 15 minutes? And folks here in the Rockaways on the peninsula can't get off to come even into Ozone Park within 30 minutes, which is the same district. We have folks in Woodhaven, which is a 53, 54% Latinx community who have more issues with asthma than the average rate of New York City. And we're a coastal district that was terribly impacted by Hurricane Sandy. So when I think about flipping the seat from red to blue and the work that we want to do to do that, it means that we need to do the hard work of organizing in the communities that have been erased from the narrative and the story of this district. It means that we need to build plans that center our community around resiliency and those, pe- those community members need to be community members of color because we know that climate is a racial justice issue. So intersectionality plays a huge role in everything that we're doing on this campaign and all the conversations we're having because we can't have these conversations in asylum if we wanna do the big work that hasn't been done in 11 years in making sure that justice lives here again. Part of doing this podcast is to Part of me doing this podcast is to get to know the women running for city council in 2021, um, where we have the ability to um, vote in a majority women city council for the first time in New York City history. Why does this 2021 election in your mind hold a special type of importance above any other any other year that we've voted on the city council. Yeah, absolutely. 
2021 is a is so special because we're going to have so many seats open in city council. You know, with term limits, it's really allowed our city council cohort to look different and look like the city in which we represent. And the city in which we represent, we comprise, our population comprises of 52% is women. But our city council cohort who represents the people don't look like that. You know, we don't even have a South Asian representative at all in city council. So we have deep inequities within our city elected representatives outside of just even gender. You know, it's also like cultural, it's it's ethnically, sexually, um, based on sexual orientation. And we need it to be because there are missing, if there are missing voices in city council, then we cannot effectively represent all the people. We just can't because those narratives are not there. The stories are not there. The struggles are not there, you know? And, and that's deeply important for me as someone who comes from a working class life, my entire life and still is, you know? Like I'm working as I'm running for office because I can't afford to do one and just run for office. We just completed the 2020 census is redistricting where we redraw the lines of our city council districts of all our districts. And so our communities could look a little bit different the way that the draw the lines are redrawn and we can't even be at the table to redraw those lines. That's just going to be created for us. That's going to be created for me and my community without our say. Felicia saying, what are you fighting for? I am fighting for real justice. And that is a long fight. It's an exhausting fight. And it's the right fight. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me and to share your story, share your vision for District 32. Good luck on the race. And I hope that we talk soon. Thank you so much, Stephanie. I really appreciate you telling the stories of so many women running across our city.